Hello, and welcome back to the Double Take Podcast with Jess and Jenny, where we talk about all things TV. Today, the final, not even half, the final four episodes of The Bear, six through ten. Nope. Wow. Seven through ten? Episode seven Five, through ten. Final. Four episodes? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we talked four. through that's fishes four. last time, but I've been waiting for this because when you said that you had only watched through six, I was like, okay, that's like, that's an intense episode, but I really couldn't wait for you to watch Forks, which is episode seven. So I'm very happy. I feel like episodes one through five were like very good. Still the bear, like loved them, enjoyed them. And then there was so much to talk about with episode six. But then episodes seven through 10, like every single one, I was like, I have many things to say. I was so excited to talk about it. So yeah, I can see why you would be like, please finish. I'm glad. I I finally did. Here we are. Yay. I'm glad we do have slightly fewer episodes to talk about just so that we can get more in depth about these because you're right there's so much more to comment on in these episodes than the first the first five out of ten i guess it is the half no we, it's, it's we we spoke about a little six. bit more than half okay. it's okay we're just Jeez. we could just say half just for the ease of it um okay so you texted me while you were watching forks which i really need to watch out for because the way you texted me i really thought i really thought you had had finished it but it's and not like i said hey i finished the episode i just Told you I was, what did I tell you? I was crying. That's probably what I was saying. Which you could said, have been, oh my God, the, the Richie episode. episode, which I thought you meant oh. you had seen the Richie episode to completion and you were like, oh my God, these are my feelings about it. And I was like, let's go. But we weren't ready to go. It was not time to go. It was more like I'm in the Richie episode and oh my God, this Richie episode. But See, I think if you had said this Richie episode, I wouldn't have said I wouldn't have spoiled. I mean, the... that would have been a weird way to say it. But also, OK, telling me that Olivia Coleman was in it, like, didn't change anything for me. I like her, but That's I don't good. I don't know. And I wasn't like, oh, my gosh, I'm so mad that I know she's in it. It was a really touching scene. I think if I'd known anything about what they were talking about, like that would have been maybe yeah, sad. Fair. But no, it, it didn't bother me. So you're you're off the hook. It wasn't like wasn't Excellent. like the time Fallon ruined the entire episode <laughs> end of episode four of the last of us which also not her fault also entirely my fault like i just i text people when there's 10 minutes left in the episode assuming that nothing else is going to happen and that's on me oh man yeah uh we can come back to the olivia coleman scene because i have so much to say about that she's just she's just so good um but everything about this the whole arc of this episode i thought was perfect i loved every second it was like underdog find his purpose and i cried i laughed i like fist pumped what was it what did he say fuck yeah basil greens or something (laughs) oh i don't remember i I do think this episode was perfectly like when people talk about the bear they often say it's not a comedy like and it's not it's not a comedy the way like abbott elementary is a comedy of course but an episode like this i think is so perfectly encapsulating the the serious the blend of serious and comedy because like when it's that episode the scenes in the restaurant are pure comedy like how seriously they're taking it and the smudge and they're going on and on about the smudge like that is intentionally comedic but it's also one of the best written character arcs like i've ever seen and it's very serious in that tone of like richie you know maturing finding gratitude, finding purpose. Like the fact that they did all that in 30 minutes, also side note is insane. And then the Taylor Swift song ending, like it's, it's comedy, but it's also so 
touching and yes. so touching but I know I want to avoid saying heartfelt and comedy the combo of that <laughs> because that's how I always describe Ted Lasso and it I'm trying like what what is the way to differentiate this because it is it's a different tone but it is still heartfelt and comedic I think this needs a different it's hard that we keep trying to shove things into either drama or comedy because like clearly this is not the same as Parks and Rec it's it's not doing the same thing as like the office parks and rec where we get where everyone eventually gets their happy ending like these are slightly more real but also they do have the whimsical and like root for people moments that those comedies do have but like you said it's like it's not quite a drama it's not quite a comedy and the word dramedy is also annoying because there are so many different types of dramedies i feel like we need a new a new term. <laughs> yeah. What's the word? It's a I don't know. That's, that, that sucks, <laughs> but it is what it is. I don't know. This was a like homecoming Friday Night Lights episode of a of an episode. <laughs> this Richie Forks. I feel like he became he became like the new heartbeat of the show all of a sudden. Like two episodes ago, wasn't he messing up? He was trying to siphon energy from some other from like a neighbor or something. And it calls for some amount of suspension of disbelief that this could happen so quickly that it would all just click for him in this span of this episode. But I think the fact that neither you nor I cared, like it was done, it was paced so well within the episode and within the show that I don't care that it's not really realistic in like a real world timing sense. I didn't even think about it until afterwards. I don't know that. Yeah, I definitely didn't think about that. I think I get what you're saying. Maybe not super realistic in the scheme of the real world. But I think the way we're supposed to feel about it is like, he's never been taken seriously. So he's mm-hmm. never taken himself seriously. And here he is in a very serious place with people who over the course of, yeah, one week, which, yeah, like you're saying, it's like a little crazy, but it's fine. Uh, over the course of a week are appreciating him, giving him the space to learn and and to advance very, very quickly uh, <laughs> from fork cleaner to, what, what, I don't know what the, like the trailer or whatever, mm-hmm. the guy who like, follows the waiters around i'm i don't remember any of the real terms but anyway so i think through that he finds a sense of purpose that i think he always wanted like it it made more sense and felt less realistic felt more realistic less unrealistic is what i was trying to say than it could have because i think of these like these moments like even in episode six where we see you know he wants a job he wants to take care of his family nobody takes him seriously but like he he doesn't really agree with that, but that's just like how his lot has been in life. And yeah, so it just felt so nice when he believed in himself. And I mean, there there is no scene better, I think, in TV than him singing along to the Taylor Swift song. Like ma- top five scenes ever I've ever seen. I mean, him, yeah, speeding through the alleyways of Chicago, also yelling at people who aren't going fast enough, but then also intermittently at the top of his lungs, triumphantly, <laughs> Romeo, take me Like, so, he's like, just that's so, so good. And yeah. singing along to Taylor Swift. I actually, I read a thing about how they came to, like, choose that song in that scene. And it was talking about how, like, the writers, I don't, I don't think, like, a slack or like whatever it was, like, the day the Taylor Swift tickets went on sale for the Earth tour, everyone was trying to get tickets. And so they sort of were reflecting on how it, how she brings together different people, different walks of life, totally different personalities, vibes, whatever. It's not just one. It's not just 20 year old girls or whatever. Like 
everybody working on this show was like trying to get to accept tickets. And so they were reflecting on, yeah, how it really brings different sorts of people together. You wouldn't expect it. So they were like, oh, what if Richie through his daughter was just like actually a Swifty? I love that. <laughs> and I thought that was amazing. And then just so having that, yeah, the pure bliss of like, he finally believes in himself and he's just so stoked and he like feels like he's found his purpose. Like, wh- like I was crying. I was weeping. The other thing is, is that ties in what this episode is trying to get at is that while Richie didn't always have like one didn't always believe in himself, others didn't really believe in him. And he sort of felt that he was always trying to fix like trying to get at what people wanted what ends up being the thing that he's really good at in this in the restaurant world is like remembering things about people and then trying to follow through on them yes like sometimes it's stealing it's like siphoning off energy from your neighbor's shop which is like not not the cool thing to do but also the fact like i don't know if we were supposed to put this in the world of 2023 where it was really difficult to get Taylor Swift tickets, but he calls up his ex-wife and is like, I got these tickets for our daughter. Like that shows a lot of planning. Again, like, I don't know if we're supposed to take it as this is this the era's tour that he got tickets to. Did he say that? I don't He didn't. I, but I think we're I think we're supposed to understand that like it was not an easy ask. Because even right. if it's not like they're not name dropping the era's tour specifically, but I think still went above and life, beyond. Like, everybody knows it's hard to get tickets to Taylor yes. Swift. Yeah, went above and beyond to try to make something happen that would make someone feel special. In this case, it's his daughter. But then throughout the episode, he continues to do that. And then throughout the like consecutive episodes in the friends and family portion where he's just trying to make things special for people. Uh, and I love that that tied in, that it was like he already knows how to do that to some extent. And this and he just needed to refine it a little bit and have people who like gave him the tools to do that and uh, well, I also took that episode as like he learned that his love language like how he shows love is acts of service mm-hmm. and the way they tied that into not only Richie understanding that about himself and like and that's the scene where he's singing along to love story he's just realized that his purpose is acts of service for other people like the best way he can show his love for the people around him is through acts of service which is you know that leads to his elation his feeling of purpose but I also love how they tie that into restaurants in general. I've, I've never thought about this. And I'm sure if you're in the restaurant industry, you have before. And I just am not in the industry. But the idea that creating a really good restaurant or a nice restaurant is more about acts of service than anything else. And I think they they try to sort of show us that instead of telling us that through that that one guy uh, who works at the restaurant and is like like mostly interacting with Richie. Yeah. Yeah. I can't think of his name, but yeah, he's like working with Richie and he's talking about like why he's there. If he's not a chef, he doesn't like to cook, whatever. And he says like, you know, I just love, he might use the phrase acts of service. I don't remember, but basically like he loves like serving other people and that's what brings him happiness. And I was like, Oh, is that the whole restaurant industry? Like, is that, is that why it exists? Like does somebody open a restaurant because like they love like their love language is acts of service. I don't know. That really struck me. Maybe it didn't for anyone else, but no, I I think that is a. I think for a lot of really high quality restaurants, that is that is what is the defining touch of like, and and even high quality restaurants that aren't like Michelin star restaurants, but your like favorite cafe that remembers things about customers. And yeah, like being in the customer service industry in general can be super rough, but I think it is the connections and the like 
acts of service portion of it that could be really rewarding. So I think I think that's something they were probably trying to to underline in this. And I do want to say that I have read things and also had the thought while watching about how this is like a very, maybe we talked about this in the last pod too, but how this is like a very silver linings view of the restaurant industry in these couple of episodes where it really like, I was worried when Marcus was stodging and was having his internship in um, Copenhagen. I was worried that the guy was going to be like a huge asshole and Marcus was going to lose his, his desire to be a chef I was worried the same thing was going to happen to Richie, that he was just going to be like beaten down. And I'm glad that that didn't happen. But I also know that that's not totally true all over the world. And like, it's interesting that they show that, but then they've got Carmi flashbacks last season, flashbacks the end of this season with that. uh, It's Jeff. It's Jeff from Community. (laughs) I know I'm trying to think of the actor's name off the top of my head. But but anyway, I was about to be like Winger, Jeff Winger, but that's still the (laughs) actor. He's in his mind as, I mean, the complete opposite of what you just described, like the worst human you've ever met, really beating right. him down over and over again to the point where he has like panic attacks and has never really gotten over it. It's like he's having like war flashbacks the way he's thinking about Jeff. Yeah, he's definitely having PTSD. Uh, so Joel McHale. J- there we go. So it's interesting that they've shown both. I think it's made it less predictable. Like you said, like I sort of expected them to all be sort of like dictators be really strict and then this season we didn't get that so much but we still have these flashbacks so i think it's a good balance and it does make me wonder about the industry itself like what is what is real it's probably uh, you get different people everywhere i think it's less about like how strict are people actually and more like when they were describing the different things that they did at this restaurant i'm like is that real like they'd send a car to pick up guests they would like go and get deep dish pizza. Like, is any of this even remotely real or is this all BS? Yeah, that I don't know. The The restaurant that they were using, I don't know if they were, the restaurant that they were at least nodding to, I think was really well known for the, like the way that they would go above and beyond. Um, at least I read that in one article, but I don't know if they would actually send a car. I don't know if they would like go pick up deep dish pizza if they heard someone say something like that or if it was slightly less extreme versions but i wouldn't be yeah, so I surprised tell if that was like supposed to be the comedy but then i was like but it's it's not really so touching comedic. so like is it yeah is this actually just real and a three-star michelin restaurant is doing just insane shit i mean it would be really cool if that existed i just have never not fancy enough to have eaten at a three-star michelin restaurant no. uh, but if anybody maybe wants to, if you put it on your Instagram there now that, yeah, <laughs> maybe if you like talk about that, you've been saving up, they won't even drop the check. I, like, <laughs> how crazy would that be if that were real? I would love to. Yeah, I would love to talk to somebody who's worked at a three star restaurant. Maybe we should interview someone. I just I think that's that. so fascinating. Also, the way I felt so immeasurably happy when. Richie was excited to go get the pizza. Like, why yeah. did that make me so happy? Like, he was so happy to go get pizza to be like given that responsibility, and I just was like, my heart felt. He took it so seriously. But I was gonna say about that. I think that was the turning point for Richie. They made it, it almost like an aha moment on his face when they're talking about the special people coming to that night's dinner, and they list like I can't remember if it's like Josh Groban or like Bo Burnham or something like that, and then they name these like quote unquote ordinary people. And they're the like, yeah, this school teachers, elementary yeah. school teachers are like, we're going to make this the best night ever 
for these people. They've been waiting. And I think he then is like, okay, it's not, it is truly about everyone. Like we're trying to make everyone's night, everyone feel like they're the most important person in the world. I can do that. Like I, and then doing that makes him feel important. And I just love that. Every yeah, that was counts. like the moment where he realized like acts of service was, is his love language. Yeah. What did you want to say about Olivia Coleman or that? Yeah. Scene? Just the two of them together for however many minutes that scene was, it was short, but it must've been like three-ish minutes. I felt breathless. I was just like, Olivia Coleman is perfect. She embodies this role and every role she takes on just so effortlessly. I believed it in an instant that she was this like high-end chef. I was like pouring over all the things. I was like, she's going to impart so much wisdom on Richie. I just really, I'm excited that the two of them got a scene together. I was excited that she was in it. I was excited about how understated her, her guest appearance was. Um, and I just loved every second. And that was all I needed to say. I just wanted to gush about it for a hot second. <laughs> I think that scene is what I love so much about the bear, which is like, once you strip away all the the chaos and the, I mean, obviously they do like chaotic moments really well and they have these really over the top, like everyone's screaming at each other scenes that are really great. But what's so unique and harder to pull off that they pull off really well are these scenes of like very quiet, just dialogue between two people that seems simple on the surface, but then there's actually so much being said. And it is so interesting. Like sometimes in a drama, when two people are just talking and just sitting or standing, it's it feels very like the momentum has stalled out but in this it yeah it it feels almost just as exciting as when everyone's yelling at each other there's so mm -hmm. much being said and there and the acting is always just incredible top of the line and you yeah. feel so much even though yeah one of the characters is brand new we've never met chef terry before and somehow she's yeah this like beacon really of, important to carmy and also it, yeah well yeah and then i think really what what is so key in that scene and what really got me is when she says, like, Carmi believes in you. Mm. Like She says that to Richie. And I was trying so hard not to cry on the treadmill. Like, I was like, I'm going to literally sob. I'm going to out loud sob. And, and then the end with, he says, like, what did your dad always write? The end of his notes. Mm -hmm. And then he looks up and sees the sign that says every second counts. Like, I don't know why that got to me, but it really did. I just thought that because was so it well was, done. It was I was about to say it was hokey in the perfect in the most perfect way. I can't even call it hokey because I think by definition hokey is like a little too much, like a little too ham. Um, but it was the perfect amount of just a little just a little bit of schmaltz of just like the right, I don't know, button to put on that moment. Um, yeah. Yeah, I loved that too. And especially considering the scene where earlier I think Richie's starting to get excited and calls and Carmi just like doesn't have time to talk to him and he misinterprets that or doesn't misinterpret it, but he kind of gets defensive immediately and then hangs up. And then later in the episode, have, hearing that from Chef Terry, like he believes in you is sort of like, okay, everyone's just got to give everyone a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance, because the communication issues here are the really only issues. Like you're all growing together. Well, yeah, it's so that scene that you alluded to is so pivotal in sort of being the callback to mm -hmm. Richie hearing that Carmi believes in him because he's trying to say like he's trying to basically say like fuck you Carmi I know you sent me here as a punishment but I love it so like take that it's yeah. like what, where he's going with and in the phone call and Carmi is just like I I don't have time for this but then when he says like I know you sent me here as a punishment Carmi starts to be like wait dude what like mm -hmm. no 
And then the conversation ends. And then, you know, as the viewer, we we understand there's a miscommunication here. Carmi is not good at expressing his gratitude or feelings about other people, obviously. And Richie's not exactly straightforward person either but just realizing that we understand that relationship before they do and then that end scene where he hears from terry that that carmy believes in him like him finally catching up to what we all know it's just Mm -hmm. very good dramatic irony it's also one of the it's like slightly comedy of errors and the only reason i say say that is because later in these episodes in the final episodes of this season there are a couple of other like farcical comedy of errors ish moments that I really like that they use there's just a lot of like a little similar to succession they use a lot of things that I feel plays and theater use it feels a little bit more I know that this was intended to be it was originally written as a film and then they rewrote it to be a tv show and I know that you're making a face I didn't know like that. I didn't, didn't know that. Know. Oh yeah. 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 Originally the spec for this was that it was going to be a feature film. Um seasons one and two? Just or season they... one. Okay. Yeah. And then and then I think so I don't know about season two. I don't know if any of the plot in season two was wrapped up in that original thing. I'm sure I'm sure a bunch changed. But I do see some elements of just like that type of arc writing and and using some of those more, you know, theatrical elements. Um, which I will come back to. That was mostly in the final episode. So I don't know if we want to jump there so quickly, but. Okay, we could go to episode eight. I have less to say on this one than the previous episode. Oh, I should have said also, I think Forks episode seven is maybe my favorite episode of TV ever. Like it's one of them for sure. If I really oh, just sit there. down and make a list, like, I don't know, but top three, I could easily say without making a list, like it's in there, I which is I crazy because I thought you. episode six I, well, after I saw episode six, I was like, that was peak television, maybe my favorite episode ever. And then I watched episode seven and I was like, wait, this is so much, it's like more understated and it's shorter, but it's doing so much so well. And so originally, whereas I think episode six was really good and had incredible performances, but was like a little bit more, I mean, that could have been a play. It followed very similar yes. yeah. sort of like beats of like a play. Yeah. Whereas episode seven, I think like, chucked the rule book out the window and was like we're yeah we're gonna make this weird like the pacing's like almost off. almost like a like a film in a 30 minute <laughs> and i don't is that so hard to do and i just am so blown away by every every aspect of episode seven anyway sorry now we're talking about episode eight i just needed to get that out of the way i i also felt very emo during episode eight was this the fire suppression test or was that nine was that the main thing that happened here oof what was the main thing my notes are just me laughing and crying <laughs> i just and wrote down yes, episode eight, episode eight is the, yes it is the fire suppression test okay and i wrote down richie in his suit he gets it now <laughs> i love that he, he puts on his suit good and then... in that suit i'm just oh, gonna say damn, it. jess we're all thinking it um maybe, maybe i don't not. really remember maybe. but i do <laughs> maybe it's just me I do remember thinking like, oh, I love this. I don't remember thinking like, oh, Richie. Anyway, it, no, it was it was a little bit of both. I just like I love I love Richie now. I mean, I think I always liked his character, thought he was funny, but they he had the redemption arc that he like, Jamie has on Ted Lasso. Like the just yes, the character where you're like, I I think he's a dick. I don't really know if there's anything redeeming. And then once they all of a highlight the, the redeeming heartbeat. trait. Yeah, it's everything. He's everything. He is, yeah, he's Jamie of Ted Lasso. And I just, that character always 
it just always hits. Like I'm, I feel good. I'm crying. I'm laughing. I'm loving them. He did the little napkin <laughs> test. Laugh, laugh, love. Yes. In the, yeah. I love that. In this episode. <laughs> and that was when I think they gave, gave that moment to, obviously we now know that he's found his purpose. He's mm-hmm. doing a lot. He's finally like in a role that works for him, but Nat gets to see it in that moment. And I think you see everyone else finally starting to like take him seriously. And that, that was sweet. I love that he says the line, you want stars? This one's not a star catcher or something to that. Oh yeah. About the girl that doesn't realize that the uh, napkin has been askew, askance. Um, She's not a star catcher. Yeah. Was he doing, I like, I I love the, the redemption arc. Like I said, there's so many good things to say about it, but it does make me want to go back and watch the first season and even the first half of this to see if like were those moments there and I just wasn't paying attention, like his sort of organizational attention to detail was he, mm. is this new? Like it's been like, it's been lit up inside him or was it always there? Did that ever yeah, stick that out I to don't you? Know. It did though. That's what I mean about it. Wasn't it, it doesn't feel like the most realistic yeah. arc, but maybe, I mean, maybe if I went back, it, there would be some breadcrumbs. I don't know. That was the only thing where I was like, I do wish I'd seen more of it. Just to, just to make it feel a little bit more planned mm-hmm. out. I'm also fine with it if it wasn't there just because I love it so much. But yeah, I want to rewatch even in just in general. I want to rewatch, but I want to see if that's there. Yeah. Yeah, I would be interested well as well. The only other notes I have in this for this episode were the Carm's insane drawings of his menu and how endearing Sydney finds that. She thinks it's nuts, but she also is like, this is adorable. She like won't let it go. She's like, you like shaded. There's like <laughs> yeah, they're yeah. shading on this. And he's Cross like, please hatching. let's move on. Mm-hmm. It's adorable. That's what's uh, that's what's comedy about this show is just these little moments. Like they're yes. not jokes. It's not like, but corny they're like very realistic. Two people who know each other well and won't let the other one live something down even for a second. You know, like it's it's so sweet. It's very sweet. And the way that he says like the the language that they use i think this this goes together with how sometimes there's a lot of overlapping dialogue and things but just he says very yes to marcus's dessert and i was like that sounds like again something people who know each other really well it's like a weird slangy it's not that important it's not like groundbreaking but i just it, i wrote it down because i was like i i like this i like the way that they're they're doing this whole show i mean it's all though that's the whole hook is like it feels so real the characters feel real the scenes feel real the everything feels so lived in Mm -hmm. i did think the closest that this show got to like uh a sort of gag corny corny sort of joke was in this episode when richie's telling the new guys like this is a really serious place we're serious people i think he uses the word serious like 12 times in four sentences Mm -hmm. and then neil runs in and yells jewish lightning and he's like (laughs) Just finished telling them how serious of a place it is. He's like, you can't say that. (laughs) That was like, that was like more of like a Ted Lasso joke than like Mm -hmm. normally what they do on the bear. And still, I thought that was funny. I also laughed when Carmi was talking about calling Claire his girlfriend or like, is she my girlfriend? He's like having that whole just struggle conundrum. Yep. Who's he talking to when he says this? I don't know. But I wrote down, he's he's like talking to himself. He's like, am I just going to be like, are you my girlfriend? Like, that's totally fucked. And he's just like so <laughs> serious that he thinks that's like so, so ridiculous. But I also was like, yeah, I mean, 
at I get the age it. of yeah. 30. Like I totally get not wanting to say boyfriend, girlfriend. Are you my girlfriend? Like it's <laughs> you know, so that stupid. That was amazing. So there was like a lot of good comedy in this episode. I, I think in general, it wasn't like, there wasn't a ton happening. It's the fire suppression test. We sort of get to the second half of the episode when they're really, they're building up the tension on the test. And that's where I was, again, trying not to openly weep on the treadmill because they do those flashback sequences in everybody's mind. It's like everything hinges on this one moment and it's just the freaking balloon, but the way they have like the balloon counting down mm-hmm. and like trying to see if the gas is going to go into it. Like my chest felt tight. I was just like, mm-hmm. this is so it's, it's a little too over the top. Like it was really on the nose with the, like, let's, you know, shove these emotions into everyone's faces. Yeah. But and I didn't I care one second. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was so perfectly done. Everyone's sort of vision of what was, what was important to them? What had they given up to get there and like what they were going to lose if they lost the stupid fire suppression test. But it's got to be the balance. I think that's what it is. Is that the reason that I don't care when th- those really hard hit, like, emotional bomb moments happen that would otherwise feel a little bit like too on the nose or too much, too schmaltzy, is that then there are so many other very real moments that it just, it it's perfect. Like, I I don't, it doesn't bother me. It's not, again, I hate that we keep going back to Ted Lasso, but it's not like every second of it is supposed to be that way. And so- I think it's, it's, like a, a, it's a good gift. balance of like chaotic over the top moments, very real lived in just two people speaking moments, really heartfelt, sometimes a little schmaltzy moments and just like funny sort of, yeah, like two friends. It's funny just in the way that people speak to each other. And sometimes that's funny. Like, yes. it's such a good balance. If you just, if you like mapped out all the different things I just said in terms of like where they chart on your emotional range, there's just the perfect balance. Mm-hmm. Like you're feeling like a little haha, a little like I'm gonna a little cry, yes. <laughs> a little like normal, it's, and then a little chaotic. Like, and it just hits everyone in the right sequence. Like, if you're feeling a little too jokey, then it brings it back down with like, okay, it's like now we're sad, yeah. and then it's like, oh, now we're emo. Like, and I mean that to mean like happy cry, and now we're chaotic and stressed, and it just hits in the right sequence that makes you. It's not overwhelmingly any one thing for too long. I wonder how if that, that was just instinct on the writer's part or how how closely they were looking at that kind of thing. Because I remember talking about this is making me think of Fleabag, which does this, but with more of a dichotomy of emotions. It's like, are you on the brink of laughter or are you on the brink of tears? And they get you by bringing you almost to the brink of tears and then like twisting a joke in there or bringing you to the brink of laughing because you're or sorry, crying because you're laughing and then like twisting a really emotionally deep moment. And I think this also does like you said, similar, but with a whole huge range of different emotions and just like, yeah, balances that out really well. I mean, I was thinking about how genius that the writers are for that too, especially in episode 10 and not to get into the specifics of that yet, but just in thinking about things were super chaotic, crazy chaotic, stress levels through the roof. And then there's like randomly a really touching moment. Like then I'm, then I'm laughing, then I'm back to stress. But the way they balance it in that episode, I was actively thinking like they definitely have this so mapped out and mm-hmm. it's so brilliant. I would love to see that data visualization of the like. Yes, of writers, that. please send us your data viz. I'm sure you've <laughs> made one. Yeah. Do you want to move to episode nine omelet then? I can't, I, I think we've kind of hit all of the the beats that were in 
bolognese. I don't even remember the making a- bolognese. Is that the name of it? That's the name of episode eight. Oh, yeah. That one didn't stick out to me, I guess, mm-hmm. because it didn't connect anything. Well, it must, but I don't remember that. I, don't remember uh, that. I only had one more line I wrote down that mm-hmm. I think is actually really like an important line. And it's when Sydney says to Richie. Uh, so it's the moment where he's like bringing the little the uh, the little pic- the framed picture, not picture, but like words. It was like Michael's handwriting. He puts it on the line mm-hmm. and uh, Sydney's talking to Richie. And I think it's, he says like, you know, I grew up with Carmi and Nat. And Sydney says, it's nice that you had them. And he just so simply says, yeah, now you do too. And it was like, not a moment. Like if that had been Ted Lasso, it would have been like a, he would have like smiled. Been like, it would have been like, yeah, <laughs> now you do too. Like a, Free, like Such a pause, a thing. yeah. Violins in the background again, not to like totally pick on to that stuff, but the point is that it's it's not trying to make us feel. It's not so evidently trying to make us feel a certain way as Ted Lasso is. And to be fair, both are doing it purposely. Like it's not mm-hmm. like they're accidentally doing it in the bear, but there is something nice about it just feeling more like it might actually have happened in real life versus Ted Lasso is like, it's so, it's such a feel good show. I really do feel good when I'm watching it, but it does like, I, I can tell it's fabricated. Mm-hmm. And Ted Lasso is not a realistic human and that's okay. The show is also more of an overt comedy and it's, you know, comedies often have over the top people. Anyway, now I'm just trying to make it sound <laughs> like I don't hate Ted Lasso. I don't, I swear, but I love the realism of this show and the way you've got this like gruff Richie character, supposedly gruff who to him, this is like not, he's not trying to be anything. He just like really means, yeah, now you do too. Like they're yours too. This is our family without shoving it down our throats, shoving it down our faces. Mm-hmm. What's the, anyway, yeah, shoving it down <laughs> our throats. Yeah, totally agree. They pick their moments because the, we do have Ted Lasso esque big, like we were just talking about those like violins in the distance moments where everything just, is so tense with energy and like is trying to make you feel some kind of way. And then this, where they were like, it's going to make you feel some kind of way, but we don't have to push too hard. You'll, like you'll get a needle drop. There's no, yes. yeah. This, the more we talk about it, the more I feel like this show is somehow a mix of succession and Ted Lasso. Like, I think <laughs> if they had a baby, it's the bear. Am I wrong? <laughs> I I feel really I've strongly about similarities this too. Yeah. Now that I've I mean, said it. we've made, we've made comparisons to both. And yeah, mainly those two up. shows. Um, yeah. I've, I feel good about it. I feel like a genius right now. It Anyways, could be a little did. bit of recency bias. We did just finish talking about both we, of those. Yeah, we like talked about each in depth, but no, yeah. I feel good about it. Okay, okay. episode nine. Omelette. 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 So cute. Yes. Sorry, just what? just the I was thinking just about so the cute. fact that that Sydney made the omelet for sugar. And it was just like that was the most she was so I've, excited. Yeah. And like, it was the most I've paid attention to the food for it being a food show in a long time. Like, yes, the food is always prominent, but there was just like a it was almost like a meditative Sydney going through all of the steps to make this omelet. And I, well, I, really I don't think loved they've that. showed us the like beginning to end of anything in this season really at all. Like, I think that they did that a little bit in season one. Mm hmm. But yeah, this clearly this was them showing us like Sydney is this is why Sydney's here. Sydney's here because like this is obviously her love language, like her the acts of service. And she's just them. And then they say it. And later in the episode, like he's um, Carmi says to Sydney, like, 
you you want to make people feel you want to help people or you want to make people feel good or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I think I don't even think he needed to say that. Like it was so evident. It's so evident mm-hmm. through that moment where she just like sit down, sit in your office. I will make you like a freaking Michelin star omelet, but then also throw With some the chips? chips on top. Yeah. Like just it's just so it's so sweet and also like a little funny. So cute. And just just really cute. I noted in the beginning of this episode, they're, you know, they're getting ready for their friends and family showing or whatever. And Richie's in a suit and, you know, everybody's like looks the part. But the difference between their kitchen and their back of house and the restaurant Richie was working in in episode seven was so stark. And I, th- I think that was the point. But yes, just the yeah. like chaos and the like. They're supposed to be trying to make this Michelin star, hopefully in the future restaurant. And they're just still the dummies that were running the beef. Like they're, they're still just doing their best, but just they're a little chaotic. And I thought that was interesting because it would have definitely felt too forced for them to suddenly be like a well-oiled machine. Mm -hmm. But I was also like, okay, how are they doing this? Like, how are they going to pull this off? This is scary. Yeah. Which I think was, yeah, definitely on purpose. I had the same. I was like, oh, is this going to be... Again, like happily ever after, everything just goes well. No, of course not. Like if and that's just not what the show. We is. didn't really see like the episode ten ended without us really seeing like how the restaurant does. And obviously, there will be more more seasons of the show. Well, there better mm-hmm. be. But I thought I really did think in this season we were going to get like the restaurant opening and it either doing well or or not. So for them to have ended it where they did, I do feel a little not let down, but like, I, I think I wanted a little bit more from this season overall in terms of plot. But anyways, we can come back to that. Yeah, I guess it would have been a lot more content to go beyond the family and friends night. Especially we haven't even talked about the fact that, oh, wait, sorry, we're still on omelet. I was going to be like, we haven't even talked about Mama Berzato. I think mainly my, my notes here were there was the mention of the broken fridge again, which is like the Chekhov's gun of this episode and also the start of the farcical stuff that I was talking about. It also acts as this like stand-in um, metaphor for the ways that Carmi has been absent or like maybe not followed through in the last few episodes, at least in Sid's eyes. And I think also for him, like he's feeling a, like a bit like a failure or like he doesn't exactly know where his the wrong, whereas loyalties lie is the wrong thing to say, but sort of like where to direct his attention. And I think this fridge is somehow just like the, the symbol of all of this. And again, like not heavy handed, but definitely like, here it is. Here's the thing that's going to come back and be a problem later because Carmi hasn't worked on it. So that I had the like sprinkling that in as a little bit of foreshadow. I had the, the in this episode, it was a lot of Carm being happy with Claire, but also traumatized by his past relationships and like the mental illnesses in his family and sort of like going back and forth, same way with the fridge, just like going back and forth about like, not sure how to feel, not sure if he is okay to be happy or if that's going to distract him or like whatever. And then my last note was the Michael cannoli, which made me cry. I, in all caps, wrote this stupid show the way I cried (laughs) when he made a savory cannoli and called it the Michael. Why did that make me cry? friggin'. Cute. But it was. And that that is another like they knew what they were doing. I it doesn't yeah. use those moments a lot, but it, I'd say if there were more of them, it would start to feel a little too like, okay, they're, yeah, we, they're trying to get it, guys. to make us yeah. cry. But I like they choose their moments very well. 
I like the callbacks to Michael, this one and the one I was just talking Fire about. Fire suppression, right? Note. Yeah. Yeah. I think they choose the moments well and it doesn't feel too saccharine. Yes. Agreed. But I don't really, I don't have a lot of notes on this episode either. I think I actually just realized mine just rolled right into episode 10. It felt like that could have been like a dual episode. Really. I agree. Yeah. They, they definitely work together. I think actually I missed a note, which was just a quote that I liked that Sydney said, which was salt that like a sidewalk. I think she was talking about steak. <laughs> I didn't hear that, but that's funny. Yeah. Uh, then let's just go into the, uh, the finale. Yeah. Can you yeah. at all see why when we were talking about it, I was like, maybe there's one more episode. <laughs> When yes. I had already and, watched it. Well, that's 10. what I was just saying, I think, was like, yeah, I, guess that's I true. just, I kind of felt like we were going to get more of how the restaurant did than we got. And I don't know that we needed it. I'm really not sure if this is a criticism of this season. It's, if anything, just a criticism of like, I love this show so much and I want more yeah, episodes. Why didn't they give me also more? give us season three, like tomorrow, please. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but again, that's not really a, a criticism. I think it's more just in thinking about how season one ended and I was like, oh, so season two is going to be about the new restaurant. And then season two was about them trying to open up the new restaurant. I think I had just expected more, more time to pass and more, I guess, more things to happen. Mm -hmm. Again, not sure it's a criticism, but that is what I was expecting. Yeah, they, they took instead of giving us a more like. The first season, I guess, was more a linear time of them converting into like a kitchen that trusted one another, sort of. Whereas this one was more like, we're going to give you the Richie episode. We're going to give you the Tina episode. We're going to like make sure you understand these people on their own a little bit more. The Marcus episode. I'm just going to name all the people <laughs> that got their own yeah. episodes. Um, yeah, which then made it once we did get to the point where they were all back together, I was like, oh, here we go. A season of television, but we only had like two episodes left. So yeah, I'm hoping. Yeah. It needed to be a 12 episode season. I'll just say it. They, they I would have loved that. Episodes. I, like, and season one was only eight episodes. So Maybe 20. Like I'm were, okay with that. Like there are no rules. Give us more. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. Like this season was so interested in telling us more about who these people are. No, showing us who these people are. Important nice. difference. Yes. And doing it incredibly but then yeah i just needed that last bit to be i mean maybe this episode should have been an hour although no the pacing of that wouldn't have worked because this really was just friends and family night we needed another episode or two to further the plot and maybe it's okay that we didn't because like you said it's really just about the character arcs understanding the backstories episode six was so key in a lot of ways showing us who these people are who what they mean to each other the mo- I mean, the mom, the family trauma. We love a good family trauma. Oh, yeah. And it comes back it, in full swing. It's succession, in this episode. man. It's this is just it's succession until last. I'm telling you. But yeah. And the, yeah. And the callbacks and stuff for, for this episode back to episode six. It all worked really well. I think it's just, yeah, plot wise. It's like, well, where are we? They, they mm-hmm. did open the restaurant, but we knew that was going to happen. And then we just we still don't know how it's doing. But anyways, we'll get that in season three. Back to the fam- friends and family night. Feelings about, I have, I have many feelings. Where do we start? Um, I feel like we need to, because we spent so much time talking about Richie, we just need to go full circle with Richie real quick and mention all of the things that he does that make this night special for the people around him. For instance, Sid's dad, who doesn't drink alcohol, giving him a like soda pop bottle service. Ugh, so good. And Very then sweet. 
Very three-star Michelin restaurant. So three-star Michelin restaurant of him. Very, yes. Maybe. I don't know. (laughs) According (laughs) to that one episode, that he was clearly going for the like above and beyond. A hundred percent. And include, and then we get the call back to the fishes episode with his uncle, sort of, not really uncle, and the chocolate banana. Oh, I loved that. that. It was so subtle too. I had to actually think about it. I was like, wait, I know this. Where do I know this from? Mm -hmm. And it being the like... Just that little quick story that he's telling Tiff. So good. Billy Jacobs. Yeah. At dinner. And like, you don't even really know that Richie is super paying attention. Right. In that moment. So that was what took me a second. I was like, oh, yeah, he's sitting there. He's sitting on the other side of mm-hmm. Tiff, but he's clearly listening. And then that is the perfect bookend. Is that the word I want? Yeah. On yeah. Richie's arc. I think. 100%. Being like, okay, so acts of service are his thing. He finally feels responsibility. He feels a sense of purpose. But not only that, but now we're we're exemplifying that in his ability to show gratitude for this person that has helped him a lot in his life, clearly, begrudgingly, and not always as much as Richie would like, but enough that like Richie, Richie's never been able to express gratitude because he's always been sort of like too proud or too critical of himself or too just too immature. Mm-hmm. So for this to be his like this just is his perfect way maturity, showing his maturity. Very simply, subtly, finally being able to show gratitude. Man, excellent. Oh, and then it also being a callback of the like three-star Michelin restaurant, the Mm -hmm. like surprise on 51. And then surprise being just like a random thing, which again, I want to know if that's really, if that's really a thing they do at Michelin stars. But anyways, incredible, incredible callback. Was Tiff there at Friends and Family Night? I don't remember. I watched this like, okay. Yeah, that was a bummer. I kind of wish yeah. we had seen her and new fiance. I think, yeah, I think that would have been a lot to throw in there. I guess that's, that's a whole true. other dynamic, and they haven't, uh, they haven't given them like a lot of that. So that's I true, think it would have been would have been hard to just be like a passing moment and then move on from. Although, I mean, yes, in some ways I agree, but in other ways, like we got Molly Gordon as Claire. Like there was the whole Carm and Molly dynamic. There was the whole mother. Barzato and Pete and Sugar going on, but that but we didn't see the front of the house like you mentioned. Like we didn't see the restaurant that much in the finale episode. It was a lot of behind the scenes, and then every once in a while we would get a glimpse as to how the restaurant was doing in the front of the house. And like, I thought they did such a good job of splitting. I mean, I think they did. I think it was the balance that I wanted, but I I liked almost that it was almost like I we barely saw. Claire and that's because Carmel barely saw Claire and just like it was like just just as they were able to you know escape the kitchen for a second to check on people that they would you know check in give the the chocolate banana do the thing um yeah so anyway I don't know if it would have been that much like too much to have Gillian Jacobs there for me well I think when I say that I mean more about Richie's arc there's a lot going on for him this whole season and I think for this episode, like we're really seeing Richie step into his own, step up, you know, be mature, show maturity. Step up to I the think streets. Yeah. To have to have Tiff thrown in there with the new fiance, I think then delves more deeply into Richie's psyche again. And then I think it veers it too far into again. being another Richie episode. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. If I had to guess why they didn't throw that in there. Also, again, it was only 40 minutes. It wasn't an hour like I think they could have done it if it had been an hour episode. And I was kind of surprised that it wasn't, but I'm glad it wasn't because that I think they hit just the right number of notes and 
wrapped things up well wrapped up some character arcs well enough maybe not as much plot as i would have liked but that's that's fine that's aside but -hmm. speaking of flipping through flipping between the back of the house and the front of the house i loved how instantly the vibe changed it got quieter the like the music changed when you uh enter the front of the house and then immediately in the back of the house, it's a little brighter, chaos. it's chaotic, it's loud. It's but the and then even just the way they literally do the transitions, like following someone into the dining room, and you sort of like see a change behind the back the back of someone or whatever. It was just so seamless and s- just stylistically very brilliant. I I loved it so much. Me too. And that yeah, at least that is consistent with my experience in kitchens. <laughs> That's just like truly just trying to get everything in front of the person and make it look like it was effortless. But behind the scenes, it's all just like people running around with their heads cut off. Yeah, I think the the sense of like the front of the house, front of the house, house <laughs> is calm and everyone's having a good time and the food's good. And in the back of the house, they're running around like chickens with their heads cut off and they're saying like all the food's late, everyone's miserable, but then they're not. Like you're going to the front of the house and nobody's complaining. Nobody's like, we're not actually getting anyone being unhappy, mm-hmm. but you have all this tumult behind the scenes yeah people saying like oh shoot we didn't time this well we have to make this again like these people still haven't gotten this but we but that's all the chefs and the like line cooks feeling the pressure of that and not oh we don't see anyone complaining that guy randomly being like on meth or like smoking oh, my meth God. or whatever was just another example of like he says it makes him a rock star that we needed in two and in a lot of other beats of like chaos and emotion like that little bit of comedy mm-hmm. perfect the, the number of times i noted in this episode like how well they were switching between the different beats comedy emotion chaos when the chaos got really really crazy Carmi got stuck in the walk-in fridge like the the chaos went up so high when he first gets stuck in the fridge he's screaming he's shouting he's banging on the door the tickets are coming too fast. Like they build the mm. chaos so high. And I was like, oh no, please don't turn this into another mm-hmm. episode seven of season one because like I can't handle it. Like that that level of chaos like cannot be sustained. I will get too stressed. And then they bring it down. Like right when yeah. I was like, please Diffuse. no, it comes down. Everybody's doing great. And then suddenly I was like, sorry, is Carmen just in the fridge? Like when the chaos finally comes down and you don't really hear him pounding on the wall anymore. He's just in there. And I literally was like, wait, no one cares. We've all just, and then that becomes comedy that like literally Mm -hmm. nobody is trying to get him out. They're like, we can't deal with this right now. That's a secondary (laughs) issue. We need to get these food on people's plates. Uh, Also going back to the meth. uh, I don't know if he's supposed to be just a regular line cook. He's a freshman, right? He, he's the new one of the new guys. Yeah. Yeah. And Marcus is like, I think you're fired, but I got to go check with a chef. (laughs) goes in and then Sydney Sydney just being like oh yeah totally he's fired go out and fire him right now (laughs) and it just being like a joke instead of being like again that could have been like adding to the chaos but they just kept it comedy and I don't know how they know when we need it how do they know when we need the comedy when we need the emotion I don't know again just like really blown away by that but I was trying to figure out what what's the What's the message or like the symbolism of Carmi being in the fridge for this whole episode? And before the end of the episode with the whole Claire thing, I was trying to figure out like, is it that, you know, in the end, they don't really need him. He's in the fridge the whole time and it doesn't even matter. Everybody now functions well without him because he's 
empowered them. Is that it? Or like, or really was it just building up to the Claire thing at the end? No, I think it's a little bit of that. I definitely have the thought of like, it's not that they don't need him ever again, but it is that he's set them up for success under pressure. He's given them the tools they need to use. He's like given them the training, uh, sent them all away and then brought them back. And like, yeah, it's not going to blow up if he needs to step out and pour broth over Claire's thing, which I think is a note for him. Like I'm bringing in two different scenes, but he seems so stressed when he needs to go out to the front of the house. And then Sydney gets on his case for leaving the kitchen to go pour the broth over his girlfriend's thing. And that should have just been a nice moment. And he felt anxious and stressed during that. She felt anxious and stressed during that. And then he's locked in a fridge and can't do anything and it's fine. And so I think that, yeah, I think what you said is part of it. And then another thing is like, he needs, I think I already started to say this, but he just needs to lose control. I mean, he needs to let other people have some of the control because he set them up for success. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just interesting because I feel like by him being away the whole time, his lesson could have been, hey, I could spend more time with Claire and everything's fine. Right. But because he's stuck in the fridge that he fucked up by not calling the guy or whatever, his lesson becomes, I can't have a girlfriend because I've gotten myself stuck in a fridge. And I think, I don't think that's, I don't think those two things are at odds. I think the point is like, we could see it one way. We could see like, hey, mm-hmm. everyone's just fine without him. He'll be okay with Claire. But then very heartbreakingly, the way he sees it is like, I have no time for a girlfriend. I got myself stuck here. I couldn't even deal with this fridge. Yeah. Like that. And that that becomes the heartbreaking part of the story. The I way mean, obviously he sees the actual it. like interaction between him and Claire is like so truly heartbreaking. Yeah. I mean, heartbreaking, but also, like I said, farcical, like the fact that Tina leaves just as Claire is arriving. And so it's the perfect timing of he thinks someone else is on the other side of the door and hearing him. And it's not like that's straight out of a comedy of errors. Um, But at the same time, they are they're leaning a little bit into the like comedy there. Yeah. But I mean, but what he determines, it's not only. Like he doesn't deserve, he doesn't have time for a girlfriend. It's like, he says, I don't know, remember exactly the words that he says, but he says something like, I don't deserve, I don't need happiness. I don't need like satisfaction. That's not helping me run this restaurant the best way possible. He thinks he doesn't, he thinks in order to be successful, he like doesn't deserve happiness, that those two are at odds with one another. And that's so sad. It's haven't gotten his character arc yet. We're going to get it. It's going to be that he's going to, he's going to find love. That's, maybe three seasons down the road but self-love and romantic love he is clearly still in the like i must deny myself all happiness in life to succeed like mindset and that's i kind of thought that this season we were getting him learning that but that would have been too easy i mean i think we've seen so many members of his family struggle with mental illness and like push their and and not be able to succeed because they're they're not as he sees it disciplined and so he's just like, I need to hold on to this thing that I'm disciplined about. And otherwise my life will fall apart. I think that's part of it too. Is, yeah. The family trauma, man. I read that he flew back to where they were filming when uh, Claire, Molly Gordon. Yeah. Molly mm-hmm. Gordon. When Molly Gordon was filming those scenes, he actually read them with her. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, like, they didn't need to be together. She's on one side of a wall. He's in the fridge. Like, that wasn't actually filmed together. But to help her with her 
you know, get to the emotional level that she needed to be at for those scenes. He actually did read them with her, which I was reading in an interview with her. She was saying is like not very common. Like normally you just have like a PA read those lines. Yeah. Uh, but that it like really helps as an actor that like I'm that sure. you have the person like going off of you and they uh, not to bring up succession for the 90th time, but apparently Matthew McFadden like famously did that with Sarah Snook in the scene in the phone call scenes with uh, Logan. Um, leaving it at that as to not be a succession spoiler but matthew mcfadden is incredible and so is jeremy allen white and so is molly gordon and the whole i cast. love the way she just says like i'm sorry to hear that and walks away mm-hmm. it doesn't say like how could you feel that way doesn't argue with him just like knows her worth realizes he's not capable of like feeling the way she wants him to and just leaves that is incredible fucking good for claire and then that straight into Richie, her kissing Richie on the cheek and him knowing immediately, oh no, like cousin messed up and going to the fridge and trying to figure out what's going on. And then their shouting match where halfway through, he just starts yelling, I love you. I love you. And it's just like, it's all noise back and forth. And then they start insulting each, like all of the, oh, that, that was oh. when I said, please ignore my tear stained face because I watched that and I was choke choking. <laughs> yeah the, I, the yeah the the fact that richie could be that much more mature even in a conversation with somebody who brings out his immaturity because fucking carmy is so immature to just be able to shout i love you i love you while carm is like literally belittling him mm-hmm. is so much more mature than we've seen richie up to this point but then when he really gets him he gets Carmi like really does piss Richie off and he says where were you when we put your brother in the ground mm. that's when I was like mm-hmm. unfortunately I am sobbing <laughs> unfortunately I cannot do this anymore yeah they he I I love that you could also read that in a couple of ways like yes maybe it's a mature thing to try to diffuse it by reminding him that they're family I'm putting that in quotes because they're not actually related but they share so much history like just shouting over and over again I love you um it had goodwill hunting vibes in that moment for a second but then also it could be like a little bit of a manipulation tactic like he just wants karm to stop shouting at him and like focus on the molly gordon problem the claire problem <laughs> i don't um, think it's that though i think i think richie has finally understood like Richie's just gone through this sort of. He's always understood family. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes, but I don't think he ever was mature enough to be like what Carm really needs in this moment is for someone to be there for him and to love him and to tell him like it's gonna be okay. I'm here for you. And I think that's what Richie's trying to do. I think he's trying to. He realizes that by Carm just shouting at him like Carm needs someone that they're not actually like fighting. Well, they are, but like I think instead of Richie just like immediately going defensive, I'm gonna fight back. What he's hearing is Carm needs help. I'll mm-hmm. tell him that I love him. Like that's what he needs to hear in this moment. But then he's still Richie. And so then he does get triggered. And then that's when he like goes off and says, like, you know, where were you? Et cetera. But I don't think it's yeah. manipulative. I think it really is like Richie realizes that that's what Carm needs. Or thinks, yeah, thinks that's what he needs. Doesn't doesn't quite execute it in the way that actually diffuses the no, situation he's still richie i just think that's so perfect like for it to yes. be so richie to just be like shouting i fucking love you in like an angry tone of voice yeah. and like so he's like kind of there but doesn't quite get it mm-hmm. and can't quite help and then in the end really doesn't help at all yep sad oh, man it's so sad 
You know what else we haven't talked about that is a, okay. First, a lighter note. Um, we didn't talk about the Marcus Sydney. Marcus almost sort of asks Sydney out in the previous episode, and then in this episode, they've so they were dealing with some awkwardness, and then with the meth thing, like finally get their giggles back, and they're you know hanging out with one another again. So we we skipped over that arc. I'm guessing we'll see more of that in hopefully the next season. Um, but then the other relationship dynamic we haven't really talked about is mom Berzato and Pete. That was odd. What like, uh, oh, first of all, like incredible, incredible scene outside the dynamic of like Pete not being able to say like, just fucking come inside. Like, don't be like he, Pete. We've seen from episode six, like they laid just enough groundwork with his character for us to know he's very subservient, kind of meek, doesn't really know how to handle this situation. And then with mom Berzato being like, I'm just not, I'm not what they need is like self-aware, mm. but also fucking stupid. And I think like that is also I mean, yeah, she's very in line with like her, her not understanding like what her children need, how to be there for them. But I was a little confused with Pete being upset when speaking with Natalie. Oh, I mean, I think he was, he for a split second there, he thought everything was going to work out. He had put the odds so high that she wouldn't show up. And I think he allowed himself to hope that she's here. She, this, this might go like, yeah, she might get in there and start smashing plates, but like also she came. And then when, when he lets slip, he doesn't realize that she doesn't know that they're about to have a baby. And I think there's a lot of emotion hold up in that. And then when she does ultimately walk away, like, I think he, he thinks he's bargaining with her. I can't remember exactly how that scene played out, but she's like, just tell me this. And he's like, okay, I will. And then you'll come in. And she's like, yeah, just, just tell me this one thing. And then he does. And then she walks away anyway. And I think he like, and she's like, don't tell them I was here. And that if I would feel so conflicted. And I think that's why he's so upset. of just like, what do I do now? Like, what is the best move to make my wife feel better? Do I tell her that she was there at all? Do I not mention it? Like, what's going to be and and then just feeling heartbroken for your partner of like i can't believe this is your mother i can't believe this is what you you know you don't get the love you deserve from a parental figure and i think that could just be the the cause of a heartbreak tell the person i definitely could not keep that info to myself if that were me but i yeah but i understand like the struggle he's going through and he doesn't want to ruin their night and yeah, I don't know. I guess I don't. I feel like I didn't know Pete well enough to like totally understand that interaction, but I felt like I, we understood him enough to understand the interaction with the mom. But then, I, I mean, we that, don't know Pete that well. He hasn't yeah, really been. I think the, the main thing we know about Pete is like he means well, and that's like about it. That's all we know. <laughs> yeah. No. So that's fair. So then it's like if he doesn't tell her, he's just like he's doing what he thinks is best. Yeah. He's like the Toby of the bear. Everyone seems to hate him and he's just like kind of a regular guy. (laughs) But then I guess I also sort of hate that Nat is with him because I love Nat and I think she's strong and smart and cool. And I just Mm -hmm. think Pete's like kind of lame. So unless they're going to think he's lame because they all shit on him. He's lame because, yeah, because that's what they've showed us based Mm -hmm. on how everyone else interacts with him. So, yeah, we don't really know. But even she, like, when she was, like, I'm pregnant, I guess that's good. And the implication might is probably that she just, like, doesn't know if she wants to be a mom. But we're also, like, well, is it about Pete? Like, we don't mm-hmm. really know. We don't see anything into their relationship. So I thought thought having, I don't know, having this, like, pretty tremendously emotionally heavy moment with the mom and Pete, I was, like, I don't, I don't know that that 
felt to me the way that it could have if maybe it was a different character. Oh, like I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, it would be interesting to know. I think it would have just been more explosive if it were someone who were actually closer. But the way that he like already knows to walk on eggshells, I say knows, but like was trained to walk on eggshells with this mom, especially when we go back to episode six with he brought a tuna casserole and apparently that was the wrong move and he was just trying to do his best. So he it's like as light a touch as we could have had with an interaction with Carmen, uh, Nat's mom, but with still the emotional implications of like, he truly cares about, I don't know how much he cares about Carm, but about Natalie. Um, so I, I liked, I liked that choice, but, but I do get your desire to see it be someone else. I think even if they had done a little bit more in episode six with Pete, like you said, the one thing that there is to latch onto, which is the tuna casserole, Mm -hmm. like he brings one and they throw it out. But I think other than that, we really don't get much. So maybe like even just one scene more mm. of him in episode six would have done more for me in episode 10. But I'm being nitpicky. I guess it's just it's interesting to me that that scene isn't really a standout in the finale. Like yeah. the scene with the mom, because I feel like it could have been. And so but maybe that was the point. It was like, you know, she's not she has not in their lives. Yeah. To she me, shows felt- up, but she barely shows up. Like, why should that be a big thing? To me, it felt like yet another understated gut punch. Like they didn't go over the top, but it was still like, oof, like so many of the other moments in this episode. Like, But like we've been talking about, it was all balanced. So it does sort of feel like that wasn't the main scene of conflict. Like there were, there were multiple notes being hit. I think that's it for the bear season two for me. That's all I have I think to that's say. that's it for me. I Just like bravo. I'm clapping my hands very lightly so it doesn't come over on... <laughs> So it's not just like splitting ears. Yep. Um, I have an announcement. I think this might be my favorite show of 2023. Wow. I think if we had done our top 10 shows list this week, it'd be number one. I, I really thought about it and I was like, you know, I've success right in season four was incredible, but like I've, I don't this know. This is more, yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with you. This, this made me like, Giddy to watch. It oh, would be yeah. your number one. I guess so. As much as I'm willing to say that something would be my number one, <laughs> yeah, I like very high rating for me. Like, did not have a bad thing to say. Even though, if I if I were forced to look at it under a fine with a fine tooth comb, whatever, under a microscope, I'm sure I could find some things to nitpick about. And like we did talk about how some things are a little unrealistic, but the way that they do this whole show is just so insanely good that I that those nitpicking things that I might do for another show, like they don't apply here for whatever reason. It's just, I I really like the vision of the writers and the actors and the showmakers, showrunners is what I meant to say, but I'm just like in it. I'm, they're taking me along for a ride and I'm okay with whatever they're dishing out. No no food pun intended. Mm. Or was but it? yeah, it's top, top tier, top tier show for me. I loved it. I feel like for a show, like when I watch a show, I want to feel things. Mm-hmm. And definitely I feel all does that. Things. I feel happy. I feel sad. I feel <laughs> stressed. I feel love feelings. Um, what's the word for when you feel like laughing? Like I feel like I feel like haha. I feel like, <laughs> giddy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't like that humorous. word. But anyways, yeah. it makes me laugh. It makes me sad. It makes me stressed. It makes me happy. I mm-hmm. think it's doing all of that without feeling like it's doing that on purpose mm-hmm. and. That to me is Jeff's kiss. We're just living in it. (laughs) 
Nice. I, I think that that calls it then. Go watch the show. I don't know why you would have listened to this entire episode if you hadn't yet seen it, but oh man, go go watch. I assume it right they've now. seen. I assume they've seen it, but yeah, if you haven't, definitely do that. Please and do. Then, Highly recommend. And then watch Veronica Mars, so you can join us yeah. for that. Next episode will be four, season one, episode four. Season episode four. See you then. Find links to follow us on socials and subscribe to our newsletter in the show notes of this episode. Thank you for listening to Double Take. If you like what you heard, please support us by subscribing and leaving a review. See you next time. The Double Take podcast is produced by Jess Ball and me, Jennifer Cullen. 